Good evening and a very warm welcome to our service here at Forest Fold. Very welcome to be with us and if you're joining online too, you are also very welcome. Do stay for tea and coffee after the service in the hall. It would be lovely to see you there and share that time together. Well, the call of the gospel is current and live. And for 2,000 years or more, and tonight, the call of the gospel is that you must repent, turn from your sins, and have faith in Jesus Christ. The the invitation, the offer is still open uh, for all of you here tonight. And uh, there is enough grace for all of your sin. There is forgiveness for everything that you have done. But you must put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you must do it today. Well, let's stand to sing our first song, which is called A Christian's Daily Prayer. Let's stand and sing when the music starts. So this evening uh, we're carrying on in our our series in uh, friendship and uh, if you were here a couple of weeks ago you would have heard part one, Made for Friendship was the title and so I just wanted to give a a little bit of a recap of that. If you were here, if you weren't here, even better Uh, and then just a a quick introduction to this evening as well, just for a few minutes. So in part one of Friendship we looked at the fact that we were made for friendship. So Adam was made in God's image. And because he was made in God's image, that meant he was made relationally, because God is triune, the Trinity. So within the Godhead, there is relationship, there is community. And so Adam was made, and everything was good in creation, and yet even before we get to sin entering the world, we see that not everything is perfect, because Adam is by himself. And so God makes Eve for him, and suddenly everything is very good. And you have that perfect friendship you have that perfect friendship between Adam and Eve and between Adam and Eve and God. And there's that sort of picture of God walking in the garden with them. So you've got that, that perfect friendship. But then it's broken by distrust. And you get to Genesis 3. And of course Adam and Eve, they're kicked out of the garden. And their relationship with God is broken. And also their relationship with each other as well suffers as they blame each other and, and all those things. But rather than God turn his back on Adam and Eve and say, well, that's it, the the rest of the Bible is this beautiful story of God doing everything he can to restore 
uh, friendship with us. And you see it through the Old Testament where God is named as a friend of one or two. But then you get to Jesus. You get to the, the greatest act of friendship ever. As Jesus gives himself up on the cross so that we can be called friends of God. And then in the New Testament, you see a little bit of this friendship restored in the Christian community. But we also look forward to the day when it will be perfectly restored, when we will be in God's presence, completely once again, perfectly restored, and where we will have that perfect relationship with each other that we can look forward to. So that was just a bit of a recap in case you've forgotten, or in case you needed to be refreshed. And It's just struck me, looking at this series, that the Bible has an incredibly high view of friendship. It really does. You know, friendship isn't just a sort of a nice extra that helps us get through life. It really is an essential ingredient that we're designed for. All of us need friendship, and that includes all those who are married as well. In an ideal world, uh, in a marriage, your partner should be one of your best friends, if not your best friend. Of course, sadly, some marriages disintegrate, and the reason that they disintegrate is because uh, they haven't got any friends outside of the marriage. Uh, they, they lose all their, their friends from outside the marriage, and then when there are issues, it impacts the marriage. So we need, we need friends. So all of us, whether we're single or whether we're married, whether we're old or whether we're young, we need friends. So this is, uh, this is relevant to all of us. And the book of Proverbs has a lot to say about friendship, an awful lot to say about friendship. Many years ago, there was a Scottish pastor called Hugh Black, and uh, this is what he said. He said, there is no book, even in classical literature, which so exalts the idea of friendship and is so anxious to have it truly valued and carefully kept. Proverbs is packed with wisdom about friendship. And of course, we can't learn everything about what uh, Proverbs teaches about friendship. There's bits I've had to leave out, or there's bits I've had to sort of deal quite quickly with that it'd be lovely to delve into more, but we can't. But I hope it does give us a really healthy dose of wisdom tonight as we think about Proverbs and friendship. Do you want to learn some wisdom from Proverbs? Well, imagine if I'd said, uh, imagine if before tonight I'd said, I was going to offer all of you when you got here a, a big chunk of gold. I imagine we wouldn't have quite so many empty seats. I also imagine that the Facebook and Instagram posts and things that go out would have got a bit more attention. And yet, this is what it says about wisdom. God tells us in Proverbs that wisdom is better than gold and understanding is better than silver. So hopefully we're in for a treat tonight as we look at what Proverbs says. So what we're going to do is we're going to sit at the feet of Solomon as he teaches us about friendship. And we're, we're going to learn from him. And if you doubt any of his qualifications to teach us, listen to this. This is in 1 Kings 4. And God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding beyond measure and breadth of mind like the sand on the seashore. So that Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the people of the east and all the wisdom of Egypt. For he was wiser than all other men. So Solomon knows what he's talking about. So tonight uh, we're going to hear from him as he teaches us about friendship. And I hope it will do us good. And I'm now going to hand over to John who's going to read some of the Proverbs that we'll be looking at uh, tonight. So thanks John. Okay, so Mark's got us page hopping, uh, but we are staying within Proverbs. So the first reading is uh, Proverbs 19, verse 4. Proverbs 19, verse 4. Wealth brings many new friends, but a poor man is deserted by his friend. 17, verse 17. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. 18 verse 24. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. 17 verse 9. 
Whoever covers an offence seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. 16 verse 28. A dishonest man spreads strife, and a whisperer separates close friends. 27 verse 5 and 6. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Verse 9. Oil and perfume make the heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. Verse 17. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. 22, verse 24 and 25. Make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man, lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. Chapter 12, verse 26. One who is righteous is a guide to his neighbour, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. And two more, one in chapter 1, chapter 1, verse 10 to 19. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie in wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without reason. Like Sheol, let us swallow them alive and whole, like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all precious goods. We shall fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot among us. We will all have one purse. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their paths. For their feet run to evil and they make haste to shed blood. For in vain a net is spread in the sight of any bird, but these men lie in wait for their own blood. They set an ambush for their own lives. Such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessors. And finally, chapter 13, verse 20. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Well, we're going to stand now and sing our next hymn. Lord, for the years, your love has kept and guided, urged us and in, urged and inspired us, cheered us on our way. Let's stand and sing.
Let's pray together. Lord God, our Heavenly Father, we have just expressed in our hymn that we need you in our own lives, we need you in our nation, the world needs you in its lostness and in its darkness, and how thankful we are that you are the constant, you are the unchangeable, you are the all-powerful, living God. And we thank you that through the Lord Jesus Christ, we are able to come to you now in this time and pray to you. Lord, we we come and pray to you because we believe that you are the God that you have revealed yourself to be in your word. As Christians, we believe every word of the Bible to be inspired to be God-breathed from the Holy Spirit, to inspire men to write it down for us so that you might reveal yourself to us. Lord, we thank you for this great and final and complete and all-sufficient revelation of yourself. And the more we read your word, the more we find out how great you are And we bow this evening in respect and awe of your greatness and of your power and of the wisdom of all of your ways. We acknowledge, Lord, that every breath that we take, every heartbeat that is completed is of your power and of your sustaining uh, strength given to us. And that apart from you we can think or say, or do nothing. Lord, we need you for every part of our lives. We owe everything that we have and all that we are to you. And no man on earth can question your ways, or your will, or your purposes. We would do well to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. And Lord, we need your help to do that because we're so proud, we're so full of yourselves, We're so arrogant and willful to disobey you. We are like sheep which constantly go astray. We would tear you off the throne and position ourselves there. That is the extent and the audacity of our arrogance. Lord, what a curse sin is in this world. From the depths of our own heart through to the wars and the greed and the violence that surrounds us in this world. And so, Lord, help us to humbly bow before you. And if we have never done that, because we are resistant to your grace, we are resistant to your love, we ask that you'll confront us through your word in our lives, that we might be brought to bow before you while the door of invitation is open into your kingdom. The experiences of our lives may have hardened us to you. How could a God of love let me experience so much suffering or create a world like this? But Lord, we must all bow before you one day with our very limited understanding and knowledge of your will and your ways And we will acknowledge that you are sovereign God over all and there is none like you. Lord, I pray that if our hearts are hard, that you would work in us, that you would humble us, that you would bring us to the cross and see that the Father didn't spare his only Son, but gave him up to the worst suffering, so that we in our sinfulness might be reconciled to a holy God. Help us to see that in the cross of Jesus there is forgiveness of all of our sin, all of our arrogance and rebellion, and there is a welcome into eternal life. There is a robe of righteousness so that in the sight of God we now don't look like the evil sinner out of hell, but a child and a son of God, a daughter of God. Lord, we thank you that 
many of us can say that by your wonderful grace, in varied and different ways, you have brought us to the cross. Our burden, our guilt, our fear of death is gone because we are in Christ and safe in him. Lord, we pray that today, wherever the gospel is preached, that many will turn in faith, turn in repentance to the living God. And we know that none of this can happen without the work of your Holy Spirit. So Lord, we pray that when your word is sent out, you'll have great purposes to save many people today. Lord, we do commit to you this evening, those who are in the um, court, in the destructiveness of war, all over this world. We especially pray for Christians, that you'll watch over them and help them in their uh, wanting to serve others and to show compassion, to share the gospel with others. We pray that you'll bless them. We pray that those who are in the dark grips of false and hopeless religion will be freed by the light of the gospel. Lord, we pray for that today and going forward. We pray for your mercy on our privileged country, which is throwing away all that you've given to us. We thank you that you do not treat us how we deserve, but you are a God of great patience and mercy. We are surprised that you have not judged us. Lord, we ask that you will bring a time of revival again, where people will see and understand the truth of your word, where your people will be built up. Lord, have mercy on the church that is meant to represent the truth and who you are like, and how much we've failed to do that. Oh Lord, as Christians, it makes us long for the day when you bring your new kingdom into its final stage, into its reality, where we will, we will be with you. We will be freed from our limitations, freed from our sinfulness, and in your presence to serve you and worship you. Lord, what a great day that is that's coming. Lord, I pray that each of us will be there on that great day. Lord, help us to stay focused. Now is not the time for us to, to rest, to settle down, to become entangled with the wickedness and ungodliness of this world. Help us to be separate. Lord, not because we are uh, anything special in ourselves, but you have saved us and have given us good works to do. Help us to live out our Christian lives, to serve you, Lord, we pray. Lord, we pray for um, James and Rachel in Cyprus, and we just pray that you'd bless them in that work there. We pray for Phil and Scott, who hope to go to Turkey this week to see the progress with the homes built near the earthquake site. Bless them, Lord, and encourage the church that they go to visit, Lord, we pray. We pray again for those who are in prison because of their faith. Lord, we do pray that you will help them to remain strong in your word and make them a great witness to those in prison with them. We thank you that your word is not chained and that any who call on the name of the Lord Jesus can be saved. Lord, we pray for ourselves this coming week. We thank you for the men's event Wednesday and the retreat for the ladies on Saturday. We pray that there will be great times of fellowship together. We pray too, Lord, that there will be great times where we uh, develop in our understanding of your truth. But more than that, that there will be fuel in our tank to put into practice what your word is teaching us. We pray for our elderly friends. We pray for Muriel, who fell during the night. We pray that you'd be with her. You'll give healing to her and be with her in our old age. We pray for others who are frail, uh, perhaps lonely, uh, feel uh, so helpless and weak. Lord, we pray that their, their trust and their faith will be firmly placed in you. We pray for First Tuesdays and those who are in that stage of life but don't have any hope, have no confidence in God. Oh Lord, we, we just pray that even in these last days of their lives, Lord, that you would save them. Bless this church. We thank you for this church family. We thank you for the great blessing and privilege of friendship together and throughout our lives. Lord, we, we pray for where there is broken friendships. Help us to search where we might be 
the cause of that, where we might need to say sorry, to make amends, to love which will cover a multitude of sins. Lord, we pray that where there is unity and peace, help us to pursue that. Help us to humbly and sincerely love and submit to one another, we pray. Lord, bless each folk here and as we face another week, Lord, help us to live out the Christian life from Monday to Saturday as well. Lord, bless us, strengthen us, help us to be firmly placed in your word and encourage us, help us through our difficult times that we face, to face them with trust and confidence in you. Lord, bless our young folk, keep them, Lord, and provide for them, guide them in the early stages of adult life, Lord, help them to be asking, what will you have me to do? Lord, don't let our years be wasted on ourselves, but help us to fully devote ourselves to honouring the one who has saved us. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, let's sing our next song before Mark comes to preach to us. And it is, Speak, O Lord, as we come to you. It's a prayer that God's word will change us and make a difference in our lives. That's standard scene. Said we're going to look at the book of Proverbs this evening, and uh, some of you may know well some of these proverbs, you may recognise them well, others of you may have never heard of them before, and if you haven't, then I'd encourage you to listen and glean the wisdom you can. If you have known them before, if you do know them, I want to encourage you to re-evaluate your life and your friendships alongside them, and to think about whether you're applying the wisdom that you uh, know about. Well, firstly, I want us to see uh, that Proverbs teaches us about true friendship. And uh, I do have some slides, although there's uh, no one up there at the moment. But, uh... 
But anyway, true friendship is my first heading. Lovely, true friends. And that's important because we can use the word friends for so many different people, can't we? So we can use uh, a friend for someone who we uh, knew a few years ago and we haven't actually kept in touch. We, if someone said, you know, what's going on in their life, if they've got any kids, you know, what are they doing for a job, you say, I don't know really, to be honest. But, you know, you count them as a friend. And then you've got, obviously got all the sort of, you know, the Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook friends. You know, you can have hundreds of them. You know, you occasionally see what comes up on the feed or whatever. You occasionally send them a funny photo and it's kind of, you know, they're, they're more like an acquaintance. And obviously as well, you can have those people that you have those close uh, friendships with, that you, the people that you live life alongside, the people that you share things with. Hopefully you've got some of those. This is what uh, Rebecca McLaughlin says in her book, No Greater Love, A Biblical Vision for Friendship. She says, friend is an elastic term. It stretches out one arm to grab acquaintances, while with the other it grasps onto those who know our darkest secrets and most vulnerable dreams. So friend can mean all sorts of things. Solomon helps us understand what a true friend is, and actually what a true friend isn't as well. I just want to share briefly what a true friend isn't. I'm going to read out two and a half Proverbs. And I, I just want to say, it's really important to note here that what Solomon is saying, isn't, he's not necessarily saying this is good, he's just saying this is true. So he says this, Proverbs 19 verse 4, Wealth brings many new friends, but a poor man is deserted by his friend. Proverbs 19 verse 6, Many seek the favour of a generous man, and everyone is a friend to a man who gives gifts. And in part of 14 verse 20, the rich has many friends. Well, money brings friends. If you're rich, it's very likely that you'll have people wanting to hang around you, wanting to get a little bit of something for you. As one person once said, I quite like this, maybe you've heard it before, a rich person's wealth can attract people like a picnic draws ants quite like that. But, of course, what we need to understand is that it's not the person that's attracting the friends. It's the money. It's the fact that they think, well, perhaps I can get a little something from them. It's the possibility of benefiting from them. And I think the, the prodigal son's an excellent example of this, isn't it? You know, he wanders off when his, his pockets are padded out with cash. And he goes and he throws these parties. He's the one that buys the drinks. He's the one that pays the band. You know, they have all these parties and he's got so many friends. But then as his money sort of goes down and it gets towards zero, well, so do his friends. And he's left there at the end and he hasn't got any money and he hasn't got any friends. And that's not a coincidence. There's a link there. I was listening to um, a man who called into the radio uh, this week and he just won... It was either $22 million or £22 million. Either way, quite a bit of money. And he basically said, he said, I haven't told anyone apart from my wife that I've won this money. I haven't even told the two teenage sons. And the people on the radio who were these sort of financial experts said how wise he was that he had done that. Because, of course, this man knew that as soon as it became public, he'd have everyone sort of coming out of the woodwork, knocking on his door, asking for, you know, a little bit of help. Every time he went out, they'd be sort of saying, well, you know, you can pay for this. It made me think, actually, when I was thinking about this subject, of uh, an interview I heard back in uh, 2021, I think it was, of Ed Sheeran, the singer. And uh, he'd come back to England, and he was talking on the radio about um, when he'd been in Los Angeles. And this is what he said. He said, I moved to Los Angeles, I've got a load of famous mates, and I've dabbled in things. And it's just miserable. No one actually loves you, and no one loves each other. He shared the story of when his granddad had died, and he was at this party, and just no one cared, because they didn't know him. But Solomon's wise enough to know that there's a lot of people out there who are fair-weather friends, or who we might call sort of consumer friends. They're around us when the times are good, or when we've got something to offer for them. But they're not true friends. It's not true friendship. But what is true friendship? Who are true friends? Well, Proverbs 17:17 17, 17 helps us. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. 
See, a true friend will love you at all times, whatever's going on. Now, in uh, those days at the time when this was written, uh, family, and especially brothers, uh, were there so that if, if, if life was tough, if, if you got into difficulty, it was kind of their duty, it was their obligation to help you out. It's why it says the brother's born for adversity. They're there to support you in the, in the tough times. But a friend doesn't help you because of duty, do they? A friend doesn't help because they have to. A friend helps in the tough times and in the good times. Why? Because they love you. And just to clarify, I'm not talking about the, the romantic love here. It's this sort of strong friendship type of love. The friend loves you, and that's why they help you. That's why they stick with you. A true friend is loyal whether you're rich or poor. A true friend is loyal whether you're going through a nice easy patch of life at the moment, or actually whether life's just one constant battle after the other. A true friend will be loyal to you whether you're super positive every day or actually whether every day it just feels like you're under this massive black cloud of depression. A true friend will stick with you whether you can go on that weekend away with them or whether you actually have to say, I'm really sorry, I can't make it. True friends will love you at all times. It's a strong bond that is hard to break. It's a strong bond that is hard to break if it's true friendship. A true friend can be counted on at all times. Proverbs 18.24 warns, actually it can be really dangerous having lots of friends. But there is a friend who sticks even closer than family. One of the most famous Proverbs 18.24. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Sometimes you hear people say, don't you? And they say, uh, yeah, he's not just a friend to me, he's family. And they're talking about how close this person is. He's not just a friend, he's family. Well, it's interesting, I think that the Bible's view of friendship is so high that it's as if we could say, he's not just family to me, he's a friend. Or she's not just family to me, she's a friend. That's how high the Bible's view of good friendship is. But friendships like this are rare. They are rare. In fact, in Proverbs 26, we're asked a rhetorical question, who can find a faithful friend like that? Faithful friends, good friends like that, are rare things. When they're found, they're to be treasured. And of course, many of us, when we hear that, we automatically think of Jesus, don't we? The friend who sticks closer than a brother the ultimate friend who truly shows us what real friendship is. We saw a couple of weeks ago the greatest act of friendship. But you know, we're called to be the same. As grace works in us, and as God comes into us in the Holy Spirit, we are called to be like Jesus. We are called to that level of friendship, to be friends to others, to be true, faithful friends, whatever the circumstances. You know, true friendship is incredibly rare, but church should be the place where it's most common. It is rare, but church is the place where it should be the most common. True friends, true friendship. Proverbs also helps us with choosing friends. Choosing friends. Choosing friends is really important. Sometimes we can't help it, can we? So, you know, the person we're sat next to in class or the person that we're working with. You know, sometimes we're put with people and we don't get to choose that. And, you know, we can develop friendships and that's great. You know, I've had some great friends like that in the past. That's good. But Proverbs has some really good friendship for when we're choosing our close friends. The people that we're going to spend the most amount of time with. The people that we're going to be communicating the most with. Proverbs wants us to think very um, carefully about who we choose to spend time with. Because whoever that is, they really will impact us. They will influence us for good or for bad. As one person puts it, at first we make our friends. From that point on, our friends make us. I forget who it was, and uh, forgive me if I've said this to you already, uh, but I once heard someone say, if you want to know what someone's going to look like in five years' time, look at their friends now. Well, it's not a proverb, 
Solomon didn't say it. But there is some truth in that, isn't there? We become like our close friends, for good or for bad, to choose them wisely, choose them carefully. Well, that wasn't a proverb, but this is a proverb. Proverbs 22, 24 and 25. Make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man, lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. By the way, if any of you want uh, to know any of these proverbs, I know I'm going through them relatively quickly, do come and chat to me afterwards or whatever and I can send them on to you. Don't be angry, uh, sorry, don't be close friends with someone who is angry, says Solomon, because you will learn their ways. This isn't the sort of learning that you know, a teacher does with a student where they sort of sit down and teach them and they, they take a pen out and write some notes. It's a very subtle learning. Sort of learning that they just slowly over time copy each other and become more like the other person. If you hang out with an angry person, what you'll find is that you become angrier at things. And in time you will face the same consequences as they do. Proverbs 12, uh, the second part of verse 26, says the way of the wicked leads them astray. This is the, the big problem. We're so easily led astray. We're so easily led away from God. If our, if our close friends are not wise, so quickly we just find ourselves travelling away from God, away from his ways. It's why we had the, the section from Proverbs 1 read about being enticed into sin. So easily you get those voices. Come on. Come and do this. It's very possible that, you know, a stranger might entice us occasionally into sin, but far more common is when a close friend entices us. I say, come on. Where's the harm? It'll be a laugh. Make you feel good. It's nothing to worry about. But Solomon says, be careful. It leads you into a trap. It leads you into a snare. It is dangerous. It does cause harm. It might not look like it, but it does, does cause harm. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 33. Do not be deceived, Paul says. Bad company ruins good morals. He's quoting there, but it's true, isn't it? Bad company ruins good morals. We know, don't we, that one bad apple makes the others around it go bad. I did have the, the chemical explanation for that, but I decided to cut it out, so I didn't bore you. But it's interesting how one bad apple impacts all the rest of them. You can't, you can't see it going on, but it does. Choose your friends carefully, because you will become like them. So that, that's the sort of negative, I guess. But on, on the plus side... You see, there's a plus to that as well, isn't there? So Proverbs 13.20 says, Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. If you want to become wise, well, you can pray for it. God tells us if you pray for wisdom, you will receive it. But we also learn that you can walk with the wise, spend time with those who are wise. One of the young people here is in a home group where everyone else in the home group is much older than them. And they were asked if they enjoyed it, and they said yes, actually, because they enjoy just listening, because they get their sort of monthly dose of wisdom. I'm sure they get wisdom from elsewhere. But it's like a monthly dose of wisdom, listening to those around who are wise. What a blessing that is. Rebecca McLaughlin, uh, in her book, also says this. Friendship can fuel and shape us in delightful, God-exalting ways. Or it can hurl us headlong into sin. Friendship can revive us when we're left for dead. Or it can grind us down into the dust. Friendship can project us forward in our following of Christ. Or it can drag us back. Choose who you choose to spend time with very carefully. And I just want to add in just a quick point that's just made me think about this. The fact that we become like our friends is why we need to spend more time with Jesus, isn't it? 
Because if we spend more time with Jesus, we'll become like him, because that's how friendship works. Don't expect that you can become like Jesus if you don't spend time with him. Spend time with Jesus, and you will become more like him. So we've thought about what Proverbs says about true friendship. Thought about what it says about choosing friends, the dangers, but also the positives. I want us to think now about what Proverbs teach us about words. If we're looking at Proverbs, we've got to look at the impact of words. Do you know that one in every six verses in Proverbs is something to do with words or the tongue or or how we're communicating? It's a massive topic in Proverbs. It just keeps coming up all the time. One in every six verses. What we say and how we say it is incredibly powerful in friendships. This struck me, this. Proverbs 18, verse 21. Listen to this. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Our words can lead to great blessing or cause huge harm. Well, I want us to think, firstly with words, I want us to think about the damage that they can do. So words that damage friendships. Words that can damage friendships. Well, some glues or adhesives are incredibly strong, aren't they? They they hold things together incredibly tightly. It's difficult to, to split things once they've been glued together. But if you get just the right solvent, you can add it, and it's not long before it's actually quite easy to split those two things. It sort of dissolves or breaks down the glue or adhesive, and it comes apart easily. You know, close friends are described as being sort of bonded together. And, and to become a close friend, it takes time. It takes energy. It takes commitment. But Proverbs warns us that close friends can be split apart. Actually, more easily than we'd, we'd like to think. This is what Proverbs 16.28 says. A dishonest man spreads strife, and a whisperer separates close friends. A whisperer separates close friends. Well, apparently the the Hebrew word for friends is very similar to the word for secrets. Because a friend is someone you share your secrets with, isn't they? You share your life with them. Trust is a really key ingredient of a good friendship. It's difficult to have a, a good friendship without trust. And a whisperer is someone who breaks down that trust. Like that solvent that splits it apart. Of course, Satan was the first whisperer, wasn't he? Do you remember in Genesis 3? Yeah, did, God, did God really say that? Quiet enough so that God can't hear. Or so he thinks. But look at the damage that that whispering caused in the garden. Whisperers pass on information that shouldn't really be passed on. Sort of gossip, really. And sometimes we can be so clever, can't we, about how we pass on whisperings or how we pass on gossip. I mean, we, we laugh about it sometimes, but you know, when we say, you know, oh, it's a prayer request, I pass it on, and actually what we're doing is we're passing on gossip. Or you say, I'm, ju- I'm just concerned for the person. But actually, we care less about the person and more about the fact that we've got some exciting things that we can gossip to other people and share. It can so easily be a whisperer. There are so many people who love whisperings. We need to be careful. And Chinese whispers, it's a very real thing, isn't it? In terms of the fact that things can so easily get distorted. Things can change so quickly as it goes through people. I've seen it in the past where people have been really upset by things that have never actually been said. But it's just as it's passed down the chain, as it were, things have got twisted and then people have got very upset and it's never actually happened. We need to be so careful, don't we, with whispers, with passing things on, with our words. Proverbs 17.9 says this, another thing that can separate close friends. So whoever covers an offence seeks love. But he who repeats a matter separates close friends. So another way to to split up close friends is to repeat things that should be forgotten. 
Well, if you're a good friend with someone, you'll spend quite a bit of time with them. You'll live quite a bit of life alongside them. And because we're not perfect, it's inevitable that there will be times when we upset them. There will be times when we cause offence. It might be that we don't mean to. Maybe we're just careless. But we we cause them an offence. And in good friendships, in Christian friendships, the friend who has been offended will seek to cover up that that offence. Why will they do that? It's because they value the friendship more than than the issue. They they value the friendship so much that they want to keep the friendship. And they're willing to to cover over that offence to make sure they maintain that friendship. Of course, this is the amazing thing that God does with us, isn't it? He, He covers our sin so that he can be our friends. That's what we're encouraged to do in our friendships. But a friend who won't let things go... A friend who dredges things back up again and then goes and tells everyone else about what their friend has done. Well, that damages good friendships. That can split friendships apart. True friendships involve being forgiven and forgiving others. Forgiving others and being forgiven. We need to be so, so careful with our words. They can have incredible power. Our words have the the power to break the tight bond between close friends. And I was struck by this proverb, Proverb 18, verse 19. Slightly, um, I'm going to read it slightly different to the ESV just to help us really understand it. An offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. Arguments separate friends like a gate locked with bars. An offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. Arguments separate friends like a gate locked with bars. Well, if we are the one that is offended, we should seek to cover it over. We should seek to to reconcile the friendship. But this is a warning, isn't it? That if we do offend people, if we do upset people with our words, if we're careless, if we're hurtful, it it can damage friendships forever. So, words can damage friendships. Be careful. But also, words have an incredible power to do good in friendships. So, words that strengthen friendships. Sorry to throw so many proverbs at you this evening. Proverbs 27 verse 9. Oil and perfume make the heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. Oil and perfume make the heart glad and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. Proverbs 12.25 Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down but a good word makes him glad. Doesn't reference friends there but often friends are in the position to, to add a good word into their situation. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down but a good word makes him glad. There's something uplifting. There's something that does us so much good when a friend comes in and they give us good advice or they give us a a good word. As one person put it, our speech can change the climate of our friend's soul. I like that. Our speech can change the climate of our friend's soul. In his book on uh, friendship, it's really helpful, Drew Hunter writes this. I remember when my friend Ryan called me when he was discouraged. He said the reason he called was for me to remind him of the gospel. He knew it well, but he also knew he needed it to come to him from the outside. He needed to hear again what he already knew. So I shared what had encouraged me that morning from the Bible. I read God's gracious words for his rebellious people. You are precious in my eyes and honoured. And I love you. We considered God's love in Christ's cross and resurrection. And then we prayed. We both ended the conversation feeling renewed. See, neither of them learned anything new there. But it did them both good. It renewed them. It encouraged them. 
You know, our words, especially if they're enriched by the gospel of Jesus, have the power to bless and strengthen friendships. But true friendship isn't only strengthened by sweet words of counsel and advice, by good words of encouragement, but also by rebuke. Proverbs 27, 5 and 6. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. It's a proverb that many of us know well, but we need to think about it, don't we? As we go through the Bible, as you go through it from you know, page to page, what do you see? Page after page after page. You see people going astray from God. You see people sinning. You see people rebelling. Page after page after page. Constantly. What do we find in 2023? Are we any different? No. We too, we, we so quickly go astray, don't we? We're humans like they were. As the hymn puts it, we're prone to wonder. Prone to wander away from God, away from what is good. And what do we need? Well, of course, we need the blood of Jesus, but what else do we need? Well, we need friends. We need friends who will point out to us where we're going wrong. We need friends to help us get going again in the right direction. We need people to rebuke us if necessary. And if necessary, it might be that we have to rebuke our friends if we see them going astray. We might be the ones needed to point it out to them. And the problem is that being rebuked is painful, isn't it? And rebuking a friend, well, that's not much easier. That's awkward. That can be painful too. And yet it's more loving to do that than to leave your friends heading off into danger. When people point out to us that we're going wrong, we should be grateful to them for their faithfulness to us. You see, rebukes hurt, but they don't harm. Rebukes hurt, but they can heal. A bit like a surgeon's scalpel. It hurts, maybe, but it, but it leads to healing. It doesn't harm the patient. But we can be so prickly when people rebuke us, can't we? So defensive. We immediately come out with a, a list of all the things that they've done wrong and quite how we'd like to rebuke them back. Maybe this is just me, but... We can think they're so out of line for doing that. How dare they speak to us like that? I've got my reasons. There's an ugly pride in us, isn't there, that just hates to be rebuked, that hates to be corrected, hates to be pointed out where we're going wrong, hates to be pointed out where we're going astray. But you know, it's better to be rebuked by a good friend than to be showered with compliments by someone that doesn't really care about you. Well, how do we grow in accepting correction, rebuking from our friends. How do we grow in that? Well, I think the first thing is we've got to remember that we're saved by grace alone. If we're Christians, it's only by grace that we are saved. The only reason that we can be described as righteous is because Jesus has graciously given his righteousness to us. We're no better than others. It's only through Christ that we can be righteous. How else do we grow in accepting correction? Well, I think it's having the goal of wanting to be like Christ. Having the goal of wanting to be like Christ. You see, if our goal is to be like Christ, then when someone points out that we're heading away from that goal, then we will be grateful to them because they're helping us actually get back to achieving our goal. Do you see that? If our goal is being like Christ then suddenly them rebuking us, them correcting us, is something that we can be truly thankful for. It'd be good to pray, wouldn't it, that that would be our goal, to be more like Christ. What about when you're the friend that needs to do the 
rebuking. Well, we need to remember, don't we, that it, it is only by the grace of God that keeps us from the same thing as them. We also need to be a good friend at all times. You know, this isn't about policing someone's life here. And we're not to jump into someone's life and then just police them and then jump out again. Just jump in when they need correction and nothing else. This is what Drew Hunter writes. We honour our friends when we make affirmation the norm, not critique. Wisely placed criticism lands softly on the padding of several dozen encouragements laid down in previous months. A friendship filled with affirmation helps it to absorb occasional correction. This is one reason why friendship is an ideal context for correction. We might need to rebuke, we might need to correct, but we need to be a friend as well, don't we? We need to love them, we need to encourage them, we need to seek their good. That's what true friendship's about, says Proverbs. Some of you are going on the women's retreat uh, next weekend and at the last talk, I believe, I hope I'm not giving anything away too much, is speaking the truth in love. Speaking the truth in love. And I imagine uh, that you'll spend quite a bit more time not looking at Proverbs, I think you're looking at New Testament, but you spend a bit more time really thinking about this, really applying it to your particular situation. So I hope that's really helpful as you delve into that a bit more. So words have the power to damage but they also have the power to strengthen massively. So we've had a healthy dose of wisdom tonight. And I hope it's done us good. And my prayer is that as a church and as individuals, we'll pay attention, we'll heed this wisdom. Because it is from, uh, well it's from Solomon, but ultimately this wisdom is from God. And uh, I hope it does us all good. So we're going to sing... And then after that, I'll pray to close. The perfect wisdom of our God revealed in all the universe, all things created by his hand and held together at his command. Well, let's sing and celebrate God's perfect wisdom.
Lord God, we thank you for how highly the Bible values friendship and for how highly you value friendship. And Lord, I thank you for the wisdom that is given to us in Proverbs. Lord, I pray, Lord, that we wouldn't just know it in our minds, but Lord, that we would apply this wisdom. And Lord, that we would be faithful friends to others, that we may show Christ in our friendships, that we may be a blessing to others and reflect you in all we do. And Lord, we do just remember you, again, as the friend who sticks closer than a brother. Lord, I pray that each one of us here today would know you, not just as a God, but as our friend. Lord, if anyone doesn't know you as their friend tonight, Lord, I pray that you would work in their soul, reveal yourself to them, convict them of their sin, and show them that through Jesus' greatest act of friendship, you can be their friend. Lord, I pray that as we go away from this place, Lord, I pray that we'd remember these things And Lord, I pray that this wisdom that we've looked at tonight would bless us as a church and as individuals and that it may do us good and that your name may be glorified through it. In Jesus' name. Amen.